Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 and 14, only two verses. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, unto you, as I suppose. I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein we stand. The church that is in Babylon, elect together with you, salute you. And so does Marcus, my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Father, thank you that you are raising some silver noses or silences amongst us. Thank you that you are raising some Marcuses in our midst just for your purpose. Thank you that you are pouring yourself into us, revealing yourself into us as we are in Christ to be able to use us for your glory. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. We want to look at the um, American Standard Version of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12 to 14, and then we will look at the NIV and then the message. Through Silvanus, a faithful brother, for so I regard him, I have written to you briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. Verse 13. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, send you greetings. And so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be to you all who are in Christ Jesus. NIV. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, send you her greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you all who are in Christ Jesus. Then finally, let's look at the Amplified in verse 12 alone. Verse 12 says, By Silvanus, a true, loyal, consistent, incorruptible brother, as I consider him, I have written briefly to you to counsel and urge and stimulate you to declare to you that this is the true account of the grace, the undeserved favor of God. Be steadfast and persevere in it. Let's look at the next verse, verse 13, persevere. She, your sister church here in Babylon, who is elect, chosen with yourself, send you greetings, and so does my son, disciple, Mark. Amen. This is so good. Now, I, th I think, permit me to just go back a bit and talk about Peter. No one has been mentioned more in the Gospels outside of Jesus than Peter. Peter was more referred to in 
the Gospels mentioned most times in the Gospels, out, apart from Jesus, he was the one mentioned most times. But you know, we, had, we have several um, account or several stories about Peter, particularly his failures. When Jesus said, you, you betray me, he said, me, not me. If everyone forsake, he actually thought he was better than everybody. He said, if all forsake you, ask for me, I'll die with you. Jesus said, listen, even the cock will not crow thrice and you will deny me tonight. Not, not even next week. So sometimes next year you've forgotten what you said last year. But I said, tonight, tonight, by the time the cock will crow, you have denied me three times. He was so sure, but he failed. He was the same person who, after he, he spoke on the behalf of the disciples about Jesus being the Messiah in Matthew chapter um, 16, the next time in the verse 23, he takes Jesus aside. When Jesus began to explain and tell them about his assignment, his agenda, he takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke Jesus. The Bible said he rebuked him. He took him aside said, come, excuse me, excuse me, can, can you please? Master, 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 please come. So he called Master aside and away from the focus of the others and said, you can't be talking like this. He started rebuking <laughs> And Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus said, get behind me. Jesus turned to Peter. Turned to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Because Satan has taken his, used his emotions. Satan likes to use emotions. So those of us who are very emotional, Satan can use it easily. God can use it too. But the, the problem with emotions are they are unstable. And you can't guarantee that you always be excited in your emotions for God to use you excited about something you see but Satan can do so much with the little lack of excitement and excitement about God or excitement about the wrong things Satan can do so much what makes God use you much more and be able to do a lot with you is not only your zeal but your knowledge so what you know about God and his word becomes your buffer. It becomes your basis, your grounds. It says that until we all come to the unity of faith, uh, or it says that for the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 talks about uh, the faith, you know, apostles and pastors and all come to the unity of faith. Look at verse 14. It says that, that ye no longer... Uh, no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of don't don't ignore this every wind of doctrine doctrine means teachings so it is your state of your understanding of what kind of teachings you have that determine your stability in the things of god it's not how you feel about god and church that's why a lot of people that anytime they feel funny about church i'm normal i'm not minded uh, they, they say uh, some people say when i meet god i have questions for him and look i look at you Please, <laughs> you have questions for God when you meet him. You can't even stand. <laughs> you can't even stand. You know, so um, our knowledge, what we know. For instance, to, in today's reading in Caris, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and from verse 1 to verse 16, the whole of chapter 4, I realized he spoke, he started talking about watch out because people will be diverted and follow teachings by devils, doctrines of demons. So Satan also introduced some kind deceiving spirits. They follow, you see, now the spirit, verse 1, said the spirit is saying clearly that in the latter times, people will depart from the faith. You know, the faith here is talking about a set of truths, please. 
not feeling or action faith, but this is the, the, the information, set of biblical, godly, healthy, wholesome, wholesome words of truth that you have. People will depart from it, giving heed. They start listening to deceiving spirits, telling them fornication, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> telling them that all oh, this church, church is all pastors are liars. Deceiving spirits are troubling you, my brother. Deceiving spirits are troubling you. Yeah, you might, you might have seen some quack and fake pastors Satan has ordained and mm. trying to use them to divert you. And so you conclude, all oh, pastors are bad. Look at what this pastor has done. Look at, look at the number of cars that have been having accidents around the world. And yet you, you keep, you own one. You are planning on buying a different one. <laughs> so you can't you can just say that. Not all mothers are bad. Not all fathers are bad. Not all husbands are bad. Not all wives are bad. Not all men are trash, excuse me. Not all women are garbage. You know, you can't say that. You can't say that. Not all churches are bad. Not all pastors are bad. So, Satan will deceive many. And they will give heed to deceiving spirits. Not even deceiving people. But spirits are deceiving them. But how do they do it? They work through individuals. Deceiving spirits, and watch this, and doctrines, thoughts, uh, do- doctrine. demons have doctrines. Demons, Satan will use all kinds of teachings. And so, once upon a time, you feel so excited about God and church, but if you don't get grounded in God's word, Satan will send deceiving spirits and doctrines of devils to divert you from the things of God. And by the time you realize that you have, you have departed from the faith. The reason why people backslide is not because someone offend them. It's because they are not grounded. Children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Every wind of teaching, ideology blows you. Blows you off. Because some people said Jesus is a black man. Ah, really? I've always suspected that some people, this, this Christianity is a white man religion. I've always suspected that. Uh, excuse me, Moses is not Scottish. <laughs> Paul was not German. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Neither was Silas an American. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know, I know you were taught and you were, some pictures were painted for you to feel that Joseph, Joseph was Irish. No, he was not Irish. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. So, Peter took Jesus aside and rebuked him. Peter was, you know, so Jesus had to make, when I spoke about Peter, I spoke earlier on a lot about Peter and his uh, shortcomings, his falling. And when Jesus resurrected, he said, I'm going back to fishing. I go a fishing. He left and went. And that night he caught nothing. He was struggling. Things were not working. Ministry was, uh, business was not working. Industry was not working. Every job he gets, they will sack him. Things were not working because he has decided to leave church. <laughs> some people when they go no problem later on the crisis will come but other people when they try to leave things will work against them because god has a bigger assignment for them and they are a statement of grace why do you think that boyfriend broke your heart he promised to marry you and took you out of your church and br- broke your heart went for your best friend and told you you are useless and with the pain you almost you almost feel like dying felt like dying and you run back to church hallelujah now see the way you are singing beautifully in the choir can you imagine see the way you are doing well god knows what you god could allow you to go so even that good boy became 
bad boy because your ministry was on the line. This is all functions of grace. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. Grace will not let you go. Grace will not let you go. And Peter came back, was restored. And he denied when there was fear. He denied Jesus. He spoke when, when he shouldn't have spoken. He was, so now Peter is writing to a suffering church and he's telling them that you know, have to stand firm in faith, stand in Christ. He was trying to use his own previous history and how God has changed him. And now he knows what he's talking about. So in chapter five, when he got to the elders, he didn't even say that me, Peter, uh, apostle. He said, a fellow elder, Fellow elder, I want you to know that I am actually a witness. I'm standing in the witness box of ministry, of true service to God, and addressing you from that angle. I am not addressing you from a different angle, but I'm addressing you from an existential point of view, or I am a living witness. I'm living what I'm sharing. I'm living what I'm saying. I'm living what I'm telling you to live. He says that I am a fellow. So, Peter was sending them a signal that, listen, I failed a few times. Hallelujah. I failed a few times, but grace picked me up. And I'm standing in grace as a witness of grace. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching. I failed. Listen, have you failed? Have you messed up? Come on now. Come on now. Get up again because grace will keep you going. He said he called us by his grace. He called us by his grace unto his eternal, not temporal, eternal glory. That after you've suffered a little while, can you imagine? Eternal and a little while. Eternal is unending. Little while is just a short time. But he said he will, he will perfect you. He will establish you. He will strengthen you and he will settle you. Hallelujah. I see that becoming your testimony. Amen. So Peter was talking. Now look at it. Let's look at the verse 12 again. By Savannah, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly, exhorting, exhorting. Oh my goodness. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Exhorting. Watch this word. And witnessing. Testifying. Testifying. Testifying what? That you see, so he was given a witness about how he failed, but grace has made it possible for him to do it. What it takes a certain kind of people to do the work of God. It takes a certain kind of people to what it takes to do the work of God. Number one, grace. He said, testifying of this grace in which we stand. Testify that this is that true grace. Of God. You want to know the grace of God? When you don't qualify and you've, you've lost everything, so long as qualification to be useful, to be used before God is concerned, and you turn to God with a genuine heart, He is able to supply grace for you to continue the journey, for you to start the journey. Listen, I don't know what has happened in your life, but there's grace. And Peter, and it takes a certain, it takes a certain type of people to testify of this grace. This is true grace in which we are standing. This is the true grace of God. This is the true, the true grace of God is that me, I can be a, test, a, a witness to you about what God wants to do with you. Because I'm doing it. How can I be in it? 
Some people, when you see them and the way they are fire for Jesus, on fire for Jesus, doing things, great things for God, God is using them immensely and mightily. You're wondering, is this the same person? Yes, this is the true grace of God. You don't write anybody off. Don't write anybody off. Because if grace finds them, you'll be disappointed. And there is, is the God of all grace. So he says that testifying, I, Peter, I have written this. Oh, this is it's getting stronger now, boy. <laughs> it's getting, my brothers and sisters, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? He said, I'm testifying by, uh, by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, uh, as I suppose. I have written briefly. There's a lot I can write. But I'm just, this is to exhort. Exhort is to encourage you to do something. To encourage, in spite of your suffering, encouraging you and testifying. So I'm encouraging you. I'm just writing this to encourage you to boost your faith, to keep telling you, like, listen, in spite of what is going to, what is happening to you, what has happened to you, what, what just happened, what has been happening, how disappointed you are, how hurt you are, how wounded you are, in spite of all that, listen, I'm encouraging you to get up. So the purpose of this is to encourage you, and, and guess what? Not just encourage you, and to testify. So a, a, a witness is encouraging you. When you hear my testimony, it should be an encouragement to, for you to continue. And guess what? This is my testimony and my encouragement. Couldn't come to you any other way but by Sylvanus. Ah, hallelujah! Sylvanus, every church, every move of God, every anointed and called pastor, church leader, needs a Sylvanus. Because your pastor, without your Sylvanus, your witness will be stifled. Your witness will be blocked. Your witness can go. Because I, in Psalm 68, verse 11, it says, God gave the word, and great is their company. The Lord gave the word, great was their company. It takes a company to do the work. Great is their company to publish it. For it to go beyond yourself, listen, your testimony, for your testimony to go beyond yourself, beyond your four walls, beyond your community, beyond your world, beyond your generation, there is the need for a Sylvanus. <laughs> Sylvanus, where are you? Sylvanus! Don't follow Alexander the Coppersmith. <laughs> you are a different breed, Sylvanus. You are a different breed, Sylvanus. Pastor needs you. God actually needs you because without you, the testimony can't go. Because it goes by Sylvanus. Through Sylvanus. Sylvanus. Don't follow Meli don't follow Hymenius. Don't follow um, uh, 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 Demas. Demas. Paul said, Demas has forsaken me. Second Timothy chapter 4. Demas! Yeah. For Demas has forsaken me because he loved Ayanapa. He loved Afronation. Yeah. He loved, 
He loved partying. He loved partying, boozing and drinking and dancing. He loves comfort. He loves convenience. Having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Those days, Thessalonica is the place for uh, Afro-nation. <laughs> Where people go and have fun, real fun. <laughs> it was the nightclub, the party time, party world of them, those days. They would go. Let me just go and enjoy my life. Let me, just go. let me go and enjoy my life with my boy, with my girlfriend. With my, uh, let me go on vacation, staycation. Oh, yeah. You have left church. You are going on vacation. You. You are a Demas. Because of a girl, you have left God. You know you are backslided. That's why you said, I'm leaving church. It's not because the church is far. I'm going for a, a different church. You are going to hide because nobody knows you. You are going with that girl to go and hide there. Demas! <laughs> Demas! <laughs> Demas has forsaken me. But Silvanus! Without you, Peter, senior apostle, writing this crucial letter to a suffering church in a crucial time where people need the voice of the apostle. Mm. They need the voice of the apostle to encourage them. Silvanus is needed. Silvanus is needed. Who is Silvanus? In the NIV, the NIV calls him Silas. But the King James... New American Standard Version and many other versions call him Silvanus. And I pleasantly submit to you, as I briefly mentioned in the previous teaching, that Silvanus is the same as Silas. Silvanus is the same as Silas. So who is Silas? Who is Silvanus? There are a few things I've written down about Silvanus. But before I even go there, look at what Peter said again. By Silvanus. He should have said, by Silvanus, I've written, but he said, by Silvanus. Then he pauses and puts, see, that's a parenthetical statement. It has brackets, oh, sorry, um, commas. If you take the one, the eh, faithful brother unto you, if you take it there, it doesn't change what he was trying to say. Okay, and then the I suppose. So, by Silvanus, I have written briefly. But he couldn't just mention his name and pass. See, and this word, some of them times when you are studying the scripture, I take your time. Some things might be mentioned briefly, but it is loaded. It's like you are trying to pull. Uh, uh, yeah, sometimes you have a cloth or something. You want to pull, you see, maybe a f a f the fabric, something, you know, that's like a, a, a string. You want to pull, you didn't realize that it's connected to <laughs> You pull it and it's, well, it's, it's like the ladder, ladder. Um, Tights. <laughs> so you might see something small. So it's mentioned lightly, but it's not light. Silvanus is not light. Until you begin to get into Silvanus, you won't realize the seriousness of the person who has been mentioned. Because it takes a person like that to get the word going, to get the testimony going for others to pick up their guns and start fighting for the Lord. Silvanus. I pray that it will be said of you that you are a Silvanus. Now look at how Peter posts it. He said, by Silvanus, a faithful brother. He said, every people who have their own opinion. 
but as I suppose. Now, the original word as I suppose or this phrase is as I deem him, as I consider him, as I count him, as I consider him. So I, the one who is writing, you see, I don't know, he's, he's funny to some, of, some people. Some people don't like him. Some people may say, some guys may say all kinds of things about him. But as long as I'm concerned, this is a faithful brother. Yeah. Because the work I'm doing, I need some faithful. And this guy has proved himself faithful. You see, it doesn't matter who you are because you're a human being. Others will have their own negative opinions about you. Yeah. Don't be so much worried about how you've tried everything and still they see you negative. Don't be worried. But at least... It's, it's important that your apostle, your pastor, your leader must be able to say that so long as he is concerned. Don't say, anyway, it doesn't matter. My, my pastor doesn't like me. My prophet doesn't like me. My leader doesn't like me. So I don't care what they think. No, you have to be very concerned about what they think. Because Peter must say, as I suppose, I consider. I consider. Because I am working with him. He, I'm sending this thing through him. I can't send it to someone I don't consider. <laughs> I'm sending it so it matters. Don't join some others who make you be disconsidered. <laughs> if I can say a word like that. Yeah. Yeah. Peter said, by Savannah's, a faithful. Oh, that, that phrase is so good. Our faithful brother. Our faithful brother. It takes a Faithful brother, it takes a faithful brother, faithful sister, faithful member, faithful church uh, member, church work, faithful, who continue the testimony of God in the house. Yeah. It is not titles, but faithfulness. So Jesus said, when the master comes, he said, well done. Matthew 25, 21, and 23. Matthew 25, 21, and 23. He said, well done. Good. And what? Faithful servant. Why? Because it is required. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. It is it's a necessary requirement for someone who is entrusted with something. It's required of a steward that he be found. Found means you have been assessed. In yesterday's reading, we found out how he says that don't put someone who is a novice into pastoral office. He said, don't put him. He shouldn't be a novice, lest he will fall into the pride of the devil or the, uh, uh, he will fall puffed up with pride and fall into the same condemnation of the devil. Then when it comes to deacons, deacons are people who are just serving, not people who are preaching and they are servants. They say that the, so that another way of deacon is minister. Who is a minister? Someone who is servant, a servant of the church. Uh, what is it this what nowadays we have ministers who just want to be seen behind puppets or behind internet and everybody giving their attention no a minister is behind the scenes seven a minister should be the one who is serving serving table the many ones that others will not even see and clap for that's what a minister is specialized in doing so a deacon who is a, a table server who is a minister he said a deacon watch this this is so important it talks about how a deacon must uh, be first tried. Yeah. It said must be tried. It's there. When you read it, it says that uh, having been tested, having been tried, must be now put into the office. It's there. Yesterday we read it. Yes. See? Verse 10. But let these also first be tested and let themselves as deacon be found blameless. Let them. 
They must be tested. So you don't come to the church because you, you are a manager at your, uh, at your workplace. They should make you a, a cell leader. No, you have you. Please. We, you have to be tested. You have to be tested. How much you can take certain shocks and take pressures for the name of Christ without flipping? Without flipping. Anything that annoys you a little bit, you're off. You are off. No. You have some, there are too many people in our generation who have failed the test of church leadership, but yet they have gotten the titles, but they don't know they are failures in the with the titles. It's just similar to someone who has bought his degree online. You didn't write, you just pay some money, they send it to you. <laughs> Hallelujah! All right, let's get on to the word. So, he says that a faithful brother, a steward must be found faithful. Faithfulness is a crucial quality. It's a crucial quality of anyone God can take far or anyone who can make a difference in the things of God. Faithfulness. So now, Silvanus is a faithful brother. Let's look at Silvanus for a minute. I've written down a few things that I found out about Silvanus. Number one. According to oh, Silas, okay, or Silas, Silas, Silvanus, the same. Few things I've written down. According to the book of, in the, throughout the book of Acts, he was actually referred to as uh, Silas and referred to as Silvanus in the epistles four times. Silvanus, but Silas, all the book of Acts, you see Silas, 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 Silas. Silas. Hallelujah. And in Acts chapter 15, verse 22, when there was some issues with the Gentile church, Paul and Barnabas went to Jerusalem to see the elders to settle. So there was an apostolic and church elders council and the whole church in Jerusalem. They gathered together and, and deliberated on the matter. And then when they came to a conclusion, arrived at the conclusion, they wrote a letter to be sent to the Gentile churches as to how Gentiles who have now become born again, how they should conduct themselves. And guess what? It was Paul and Barnabas who came and met them with this issue. But they didn't want to send only Paul and Barnabas. They needed certain types, so certain type of people. So listen, he said, then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church that's in Jerusalem to send chosen men. Wow. These are the choice. Chosen men, King James, is to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So you have to accompany Paul and Barnabas. These are chosen men. Men, Bible calls them chief men amongst the brethren. Can you imagine? These are senior guys. Number one is Judas surname Basabas. So Judas Basabas and then Salah. Now Judas Basabas, we didn't hear much about him again. But Silas. So Judas Basabas and Silas. Silvanus. They said we need, there is problem in the church over there. We want a Silvanus. A Silvanus must go and get it sorted. We are sending letters. But we, so number one, what we have to know, look at the verse 25. Verse 25, what we have to know about Silvanus is that Silvanus 
It seems, this is what the apostle said, they wrote the letter, and said, it seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send all chosen men unto you. That's, that's, unto you, with Paul, Barabbas and Paul. Chosen men. So, Silvanus or Silas, or Silas is one of the two chosen men, chief of the men appointed by the apostles to send to go and get the matter solved. Yeah, an apostolic delegation. So they were chosen men or chief amongst the brethren. Chief men among. So number one, Silas. Okay, let me, uh, Pastor, so what's the difference between uh, Silas and Silvanus? Silvanus is a Latin name, okay? And then Silas, some scholars believe, is a Greek version or, of the Latin name or a Semitic version of it, but some also believe the short form. So the way... Um, Georgina can be called Gina, okay? The way Michael can be called Mike or Mickey. <laughs> the way Joshua can be called Josh, right? Same way, some believe that the Greek version of Silvanus is, and the short version of it, the Greek short version of it is Silas. Now, so they send... Silas, chief man. So number one, Silas is a chosen, is uh, uh, among the chief men, you know, notable men in the Jerusalem church. Number two, he was also, when you look at the verse 22 again, the, he was part of the apostolic team. Apostolic, he wasn't an apostle, but he was in the apostles' company. He said, send chosen men of our own company. And look at verse 33. Verse 33. When they have finished the job, after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles because they belong to the apostles' company. So after they finished their job, the brethren said, okay, you can now go back to their company. So Silas is part of the apostolic company. Serious guy. Number three, verse 26 of the same uh, Acts chapter 15, verse 26. These are men who have hazarded their lives. For the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what it means to hazard your life? Put your life in danger. When your emotions are a bit offended, then you are... You are no, your entire life is in danger. These are people who know their emotions. Their entire life are in danger. For the name of Christ. Their entire life. Sometimes it's, it's your finances. Sometimes it's your career. Sometimes it's your family. Sometimes it's your health. Sometimes it's your relationship. Sometimes it's your friendship. You must be jeopardized for the name of Christ. If the need be. So these are men who have hazarded. So when we talk about Silas, it's someone who is ready to put anything important in their life at risk for the name of Christ. Number four, Silas speaks the apostolic language. When he's there, whatever he says is not different from what the apostles will say. <laughs> there are people, as a pastor, you say, I send them to places and I'm not, I want somebody to send, I know this one I can't send because he'll go and represent himself. He will go and represent him. He'll go, no, he won't go to represent the church. He'll go to represent his own interests. Like Americans say, we stand for American interests first. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, verse 27, look at verse 27. Verse 27 tells us a little bit more about uh, uh, Silvanus. We have sent, therefore, Judas and Silvanus, or 
Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth? The same thing. Tell you the same thing. We used to have some cell leaders who the material that everyone has been taught through to go. When they go, they don't talk about the material. They say, today, uh, God's speaking to me. No, you see, that's not a Silas. That's not a Silas. That's why you make Peter's message get missing because Peter said, by Silvanus have written. We need some Silvanus so that the work can continue. Any church that is not growing or that is not doing well, if the problem is not with the pastor, then the Silvanus, there are, there are lack of Silvanus around. Yeah. There are lack of Silvanuses. And Dimas potentially has recruited some. <laughs> Dimas like recruiting people during lockdown. <laughs> if you are not being recruited, what are you doing in that boyfriend's room? You have been recruited. That's why you are not going to church. You are now you've gone to live with your boyfriend and girlfriend. My friend, you have been recruited. And you have some church members who say oh, there's nothing wrong. They have recruited you. <laughs> hey! Um so speak the same language. So a Silas or a Silas or Silvanus will speak the apostol same apostolic language. Number five, I like this one. Silas. I didn't realize that. Come on, no, look at verse 32. I want you to see it before I tell you what it is. You can tell for yourself. He said, look at verse 32. And Judas and Silas, hey, being what? Prophets also in themselves. <laughs> he said, Peter said, I've sent this one. He didn't say, no, no, I'm a prophet. Let me also send my own message. No, this, this is a solid guy. They are prophets in the, also in themselves. Yeah. There was a prophet in the Jerusalem church called Judas. <laughs> it's not Iscariot, but this was Judas Basabas. Prophet. And then, there's, that's why I said chief amongst the brethren. So it was very even difficult. You, you can tell Peter and the apostles will find it not easy to send these guys because these are notable guys. But they send their best. They send their best. Silvanus. Silvanus. Hallelujah. So they sent, uh, uh, Silvanus is a prophet, number six, from 2 Corinthians. I will jump to 2 Corinthians and come back because of the point. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19. Paul says, Silvanus and Timotheus, Timotheus, Tim Timothy, okay, Timotheus, they were also preachers. It says that, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached amongst you by us, even by me and Silvanus. And so Silvanus was a preacher. He was a preacher, not only a prophet, but a preacher of the, the Son of God. He was preacher of Christ. <sighs> Number seven, verse 34. Silvanus will always go an extra mile. Yeah. Now, after they have finished their job, when you read verse 33, Bible says that they let them go. So after they had tarried their space, uh, New King James, so it makes it a bit more easy. After they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. But Silas, however, it seemed good to Silas to remain. He went extra. They've sent you for a job. Go back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem is a good place. It, that's where the, all the big guys were. Jerusalem was very good. That's why uh, uh, when they got to Pamphylia, Acts 13, 13, Marcus left and went back to Jerusalem. Yeah, he was homesick. 
He departed. This is Paul and Barnabas. They were going to do God's work. They sailed from Paphos. They came to Bega in Pamphylia. Bega in Pamphylia is another place. At that place, the thing, things were very hard. And John departed from them, returned. So everybody would like to go back to Jerusalem. However, Silas, when it was time to go, he didn't go. Judas went. Judas Basabas went. But however, it seemed good. Silas felt, I want to be still here and make sure I dedicate myself more. Instead of going back and relaxing and living a normal life. So Silas will go an extra mile. <laughs> is someone, I think I'm talking to a Silas. Yeah. God is calling you Silvanus. Um, number eight, he was Paul's choice companion. Paul chose him that me, I want to go. Others have left, I've rejected others, but you, you are the key person I want to go with. Chapter 15 of Acts, verse 40. Paul's choice companion. Paul chose him, I want to go with you. May you be chosen. And Paul chose Silas and departed. Paul chose. He was Paul's choice companion. So in Acts chapter 16, verse 19, Acts chapter 16, verse 25, Acts chapter 16, verse 29, all you see, and the, and the master, uh, they, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them out. And to, to the, they beat them. And 25 said they put them in prison. They threw them into prison. Verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were See, he was this suffering. Timothy was part of, but they didn't mention Timothy. It's Paul and Silas. Look at verse 29. When the jailer realized that these people are strange, he fell before Paul and Silas. Silas was a serious guy. Silvanus. He became Paul's major traveling companion. That's why Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, we just read that by silver I've preached Christ to you, the price that was preached to you by us, even by me, Silvanus, and Timothy. He was a major guy. Paul's very, very serious, uh, chapter 17 of Acts, verse 4. It talks, verse 10, verse 14, verse 15 particularly. Uh, chapter 17, verse 4. Some of them persuaded a, a great multitude of, uh, of the devout Greeks, and uh, not a few leading women joined Paul Silas. You can see it was always Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. Paul, after Barnabas left, it was Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. But look at verse 14 and verse 15. I want to show you something. Paul was whisked out of the place. So, he took, he, so then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to, the, uh, uh, to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. Okay, but look at it. They later on had to come and tell Timothy and Silas, Paul needs you. You have to go to Paul. Look at verse 15. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed. I can't do it without this guy. And Timothy, Paul, where are, uh, Silas, where are you? Come to me with speed. And receive commandment. And look at chapter 18, verse 5. When they arrived, Paul, Paul's spirit was lifted. And when Silas and uh, Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit. So as soon as the people come around you, the ministry begins to take a different shape. Holy Ghost is in moves better. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. All right, because of time. So that's number eight. Number nine is, ah, he was a Roman citizen. Now, that's why he had a, a Latin name, Silvanus. He was a Roman citizen, just like Paul, yet he was a Jew. Okay, well, okay, both of them have said it. So he was a Roman citizen. 
in Acts chapter 16, verse 37, he said, Paul was saying, they are beating us publicly without charge, even though we are Romans, uncondemned Romans. So it's not only me a Roman, but me and Silas, we were Romans. So he was a Roman, that means that he had access anywhere. He could travel anywhere, and so then he can go into certain places where the Greeks were and receive some immunity because he's a Roman citizen. And yet he was Jewish, so he could also enter the synagogues and preach well. He had dual citizenship. He was a, a Jew because, how do you know he was Jew? Because they sent him from Jerusalem. And when they wrote the letter, they said, we have chosen men from amongst us. Right. They send the men to go and sort out the problem among the Gentiles. So they wrote the letter and then sent it by the hands of these guys to go and sort out Acts 15, 23, I'm sorry. And they, they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greetings unto you, brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, from Jerusalem. So it is the apostles and the co co company in Jerusalem who sent because there was a problem with how Gentiles should be integrated into the church. He was already a Jew. That's why he was sent to go and talk to the Gentiles. But he was a serious guy. He was a teacher. He was a prophet. He was a preacher. Silvanus. I see God is raising a lot of Silvanuses here. So number 10 is Jewish. And then one more. Let me add one more. It was Peter's companion. Now that was one who used to travel with Paul and he, he became Peter's companion. That's why Peter said, by Silvanus I have written. By Silvanus I have written. Because this guy is, I mean, by Silvanus. By Silvanus. That's why the letter has gotten to us today. Because there was a Silvanus. Yeah. We are reading this because there was a Silvanus. There was a Silvanus to be able to carry on. The witness of Peter of what this grace of God can do. Now watch this. What's the point here? He needed a Silvanus, someone who is a living witness of the things he's preaching. Who has hazarded his life. He is a prophet by who he humble himself and said, he is a preacher by who keep quiet and let Peter write and send it. He will say, let me also have also, me to have something to say. <laughs> me to have something. Are you the only one preaching? Me to have something to say. No. He's, 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 I mean, the guy is loaded. And yet, he's, Peter said, I consider this guy faithful. A faithful brother whom I can count him so. I consider him so. He's a faithful brother. To exalt you and let you know, you see, watch, this is very important. Testifying that this is the true grace. All of us are able to do this because of the true grace. So how are you able to do God's work? Grace, number two, by the hands of Silvanus. God cannot do anything on earth without the person who is going to use receiving grace. So he said that um, we are testifying that this is the true grace. All of us, whatever we are doing, we are testifying. But we are not just, we are witnesses. So I needed another witness, Silvanus, to send him. Witnesses. Hallelujah! Amen. So by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, I suppose, I've written briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God where we stand. The church that is a Babylon elected together with you salutes you. The church elected. No, remember in chapter 1, verse 2, it calls us we are the elect of God. We are the elect of God. Elect according to so we are not elected alone there were others also elected another way of putting it is chosen okay chosen chosen so uh, the church at babylon chosen elected 
First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 said, For ye are a chosen generation. We are chosen. Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Romans chapter 16, verse 13. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And his mother. Some people are chosen. We are the chosen people. And he says that the church also in Babylon chosen sends their greetings. Hallelujah. And Romans chapter 8, verse 33. Romans 8, 33 talks about who can bring a charge against God's chosen, against God's elect? Can you imagine? We are the chosen. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, it talks about how God has elected or chosen according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. And it says, Peter makes it clear that this being chosen, we are not alone. There are others who are also chosen with us. Quickly, let me throw a little bit light on this Babylon. Where was he writing from? Usually, this, when he says that the church in Babylon or the church in, that means it's, the church who are where I am, send their greetings. So now, it stands to suppose that, or it stands to imply that he was writing from Babylon. Now, some, it's become a, a, a theological quagmire over the years. Was it Babylon or was it a nickname he was using for Rome? Because at some time, at some point in time, it seemed like Babylon or Rome was referred to, was nicknamed Babylon. Based on Revelation chapter 17, verse 5 it was nicknamed babylon and chapter 18 verse 2 the great babylon uh, mother of all hallows uh, you know abomination and all, all that and 18 verse 2 so this it, it is concluded that when you see babylon it was a nickname for rome however it seems like all throughout peter's letter he never used any nickname Chapter 1, verse 1, he mentioned points. These are actual places that existed. He didn't refer to any of them as nicknames. So if you, and then when you read the book of Acts, there are several places you see in the book of Acts where uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 21, Acts chapter 28, verse 14, where Rome was actually mentioned as Rome. So it wasn't like Rome is a forbidden thing to mention Rome. So, really, there's nothing stopping. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 17, Paul actually, who wrote after, it's believed this letter was written after Peter's letter. Now, if they were afraid to mention Rome, Paul wouldn't have mentioned Rome. See, when he was in Rome, uh, when I, he was in he sought me. So, Rome was not something to be ashamed to mention. So, it, others believe, many scholars believe that when he said Babylon, he was actually writing from Babylon. And there was a church in Babylon, Babylon, at the actual city of Babylon. He was there. He was writing from there. All right. So he says that the church which is at Babylon, I won't go too much into it because in some translation he says, he uses the word, the, the one, she that is in Babylon. All right. But many translations say, uh, say she who is in Babylon was NIV. Didn't say the, the church per se. Some also believe that that's Peter's wife because Peter was married, please. Peter was married, okay? He was married First Corinthians, I think, 15, 9 or so. He had his wife. He said, took, Paul said, me too, I could have married one of the sisters just like Peter married one. <laughs> but I didn't marry. So I, Paul said, I have the right to marry. So Peter was married. So all that. But the, the fact is, I don't want us to go too much into this kind of stuff. The point is that those who were in Babylon, chosen as well, send their greetings. Hallelujah. So it says that, uh, salute you. And then the one I want to mention and end is Marcus. Marcus, my son. Who is Marcus? Now, this Savannah and Marcus. Time will not permit me to go too far. But look, Marcus is such a... Marcus is the one who wrote the gospel according to Mark. 
Marcus is the same as Mark. And his spiritual, uh, Peter's spiritual son, Mark. His actual, uh, also called John Mark. So in Acts chapter 12, verse 12, chapter 12, verse 25, his mother was Mary. They used to gather in Mark's house. Those of us who, your houses are used for the work of God. It will translate into your child becoming like a Mark. Marcus, yes. You avoid the church coming closer and keep your children away from church. You won't get a Marcus in your family. <laughs> Look, it's just that when he considered these things, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John. That's the same Marcus, Peter, when he was released from prison. Whose surname was Mark, where many had gathered and praying. They were having fellowship in the house. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, when, uh, returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. They went with him to do the work. But that's when he, in Acts chapter 13, verse 13, he left and went back to Jerusalem when they got to uh, 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 Pamphylia. Right? So then as they traveled, Paul said, let's go and do the work more. And then verse 30, Acts chapter 15, verse 36, thereabout, P, uh, 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 um, Barnabas, Paul said, let's go and visit the churches. Then verse 37 says, Barnabas was determined to take John, that's Mark, See, the same guy, Marcus. He said, we have to go with Marcus. Paul said, no, no, no. This guy abandoned us. He made, he, verse 38, he, he reached the work of God. Paul, Paul was no known. He said, no. And so it became so sharp that it, because of John Mark, John Mark, Paul and Barnabas went their separate way. We didn't hear about Barnabas again. And that's when Paul also took Silas and went to do the work. But guess what? Marcus was such a powerful guy. Many years after, Paul, when he was in prison, Acts, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 4, when he said, Demas has forsaken me, only Luke, verse 10, only Luke is with me. Then he said, when you are coming, bring, you see, he said, Demas has forsaken me, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee. Mark! This Mark, he's been around for a long time, but consistent. Even though, watch this, watch this, at a point in time, he abandoned them, but grace, that's why I said, you know, this is a witness. Someone who has gone, but is still doing well. He has gone and now is well integrated again in the things of God. So he said, we are testifying of grace. And he said, Marcus, my son. He was working with Peter closely. He worked with Peter closely. He's the one who wrote the book of uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, Mark, that's the Mark we are talking about, Marcus. And he says that, Marcus is here with me. And Marcus, my son. It's also saluting you. Then he finished by saying, greet all, uh, greet you one another with kiss of love. Doesn't mean go around kissing people. What it just means. <laughs> what it means. Those days, you know, like the French, man to man, women to woman. Those, that's what they used to do. So greet, greet everyone with a kiss of love. Then he finishes by saying, peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. That one alone is of, in Christ. How do you get into Christ? Through, it's God who puts us in Christ. Bible talks about it's of God that we are in Christ. Hallelujah. It's God who puts us in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. God puts us in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 30. God puts, it's of God that we are. He says that, but, uh, New King James, please. But of him you are in Christ. God, it takes God for us to be in Christ. 
Okay, very important. And number two, we on our path, how do we get into Christ? By faith through baptism. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, how we get into Christ. After when we are baptized, baptism puts us into Christ. It says that for as many as have been baptized into, you see that? What, this is very important. How did you get into Christ? Through baptism. You entered him. God put you inside and you yourself, you did that, cooperated with God through baptism. Faith in baptism. So in um, John chapter 3, verse 5, it talks about except a man is born of water and of spirit. He cannot enter. How do you enter into Christ, who is the kingdom of God? Is by faith through baptism. And Romans chapter 6, verse 3, baptism puts us into Christ. This is important. So Romans 6 says that, Know ye not that so, so many of us, as were baptized, how? Into baptism. We are, it, so it says, peace be off to all those who are in Christ. How did you get into him? It's God put you in through the instrumentation of faith in baptism. We are inside. Now, when you are in, Jesus told them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. In the name. So when you are in Christ, not just Christ, you are in you are inside the Trinity, the triune God. You are actually inside the entire Godhead. You are in. You are inside the entire Godhead. And uh, you know, let me tell you something. It's not just I am inside, but you have become so much part. That's why it says that first Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. He who is joined with Christ is one spirit. So it's like not just inside, but it's an organic union. You are so united with Christ. It's one. That's why when a pregnant woman, uh, a pregnant woman, they are careful what medication they give her or what, because it will, it, there's some union, organic connectivity between the mother and the child or, and the fetus. There's an organic. Now, when you are in Christ, there is this organic connectivity. That's why we have become one with him. And he says that peace, hallelujah, verse 40, peace. A great holy case. And then peace be with you all that are in Christ. Not everybody. Yeah. When you are enjoying grace, it doesn't matter the things you are going through. When grace is carrying you, peace will be your ultimate enjoyment. When you are enjoying grace, you get peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And so we see how the church has been through difficult times, but it takes a witness, Peter, who has also gone through suffering, who has also understood grace and enjoyed grace, send his message and exhortation to them and back it by the greetings of Marcus, who has been through it all and still standing and doing well. And he went by the hands of Silvanus, Silvanus, Marcus, and Peter. It takes Silvanus, Marcus, and senior man Peter to have a suffering church becomes strengthened and continue going. I see you doing well. I see you pressing on. I see you moving forward. I see your church doing well. You're working a lot doing well. You will not fail. But like Silvanus, you rise and build for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.